I was very focused very early that I wanted to be the head of HR. Hello, Challenger Podcast listeners. This is the HR Passports. That was Jean Mason. We are delighted to have her on the podcast today. She sat down with our EVP, Rick Cobb, to talk about her career. We're talking with Jean Mason at Baxter, who I've known for quite some time. I don't even remember how long I've known you, but it's been oh, about ten years. About ten years? Yeah. Has it been ten about years? That. Okay. All right. Where'd that go? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, it's, <laughs> I had hair and I was taller, I think, like that. So, so you know, it was interesting. I was thinking about. We had a great conversation one time, um, just about the arc of your career, and I, I do want to touch on that at some point, which was that sort of moment where you decided you needed to defend your brand, and I haven't forgotten that story, mm-hmm. even though you probably told it to me about six or seven years ago. But in advance of that, you know, since you had, since you, you started in psychology and, and then pursued that uh, to, to get your doctorate, how did you end up in human resources specifically? What got you there as opposed to some other discipline? Yeah. Well, yeah, because at first my psychology interests were more clinical psychology. I, for the longest time, I thought I wanted to be clinical psychologists, see patients, and, and do that kind of work. And, and it, was, it was actually um, towards the end of um, my master's in, um, in general psychology when I took an organizational psychology course. Uh-huh. And I didn't, even, I didn't even know there was something else other than clinical psychology at that point in mm-hmm. my life. I mean, that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. But I found that, and it was so fascinating, you know, things about motivation, uh, you know, people, you know, um, drive, performance, uh, all, all of those topics. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. And it was, it was also in some ways a psychology in the normal world. The psychology I was interested in was, you know, dealing with, with disorders and, and so the laboratory of life correct, instead of right. just, so this, yeah. was, this is just this everyday psychology and everyday life. Yeah. And, and I like business. I, you know, I like the, you know, I like the, um, results orientation, the, the, the kind of tangibility of sure. business, which a lot of psychology, you know, it's not as tangible as the things you, you touch when you're in business. So I, I like that aspect. Uh, so, so it was the discovery of organizational psychology. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I asked you know, myself and started to look around of what do you do with that? Sure. I didn't know what to do with it at that point in time. Right. So, um, so I, after some research, I realized that uh, a, a pathway was, and I didn't know what degree, where you go with what degree. Mm-hmm. So I discovered the, the field of industrial organizational psychology as, sure. uh, as a pathway into business. And in, in that sort of research activity, I discovered human resources. I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't even know there was this field of human resources. I, I grew up in a small town. My mom was a nurse. My dad worked for the government. I never heard of human resources. Right. Uh, so I didn't know there was some sort of profession like that. So in all of that sort of study and figuring out what right. I do yeah. with, you know, a single course in organizational psychology to a degree to then how do I apply that in the real world? And I found human resources. So I applied to um, programs in industrial organizational psychology. And um, I knew what I want to do with that degree when I went in. I, I remember other other colleagues in the program who, you know, they had different aspirations. Some wanted a degree, a degree so they could go consult. 
Um, some wanted to some wanted to be more um, you know uh, work in metrics uh, psychometrics and and support uh, you know some some government um, kind of roles because I was mm-hmm. I went to school in Washington DC so there were a lot of people in my program that were focused on working for the government um, there were people who wanted to teach sure. to get their PhD to teach and I was very focused very early that I wanted to be the head of HR Really? I, I, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm more more goal focused than uh, than the average bear, but um, I knew going into that program that that was my that was my aspiration. That's what I wanted to do, and um, and I was the only one in the program who who had that idea. Um, but it, I think that's pretty far sighted given the number of people that I've talked to. I mean, I've been in this business for 28 years, so I, there aren't a lot of people who. Who ended up here with the kind of with direct intention. plan? You, exactly, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. Very, you know, a lot of intentionality in that for yeah. sure. I, you know, I don't know where that all came from, but mm-hmm. uh, but I did know that's what I wanted to do, and um, unfortunately, I was able to accomplish it. I think I, I made some of the right choices along the way, and we can talk about sure. about some of those. Um, but I I um, I do feel fortunate that I had that kind of goal orientation, and so I I now when I talk to to um, people earlier in their career, I reinforce, you know, you, you've got to set goals. you got to, you got to think about, you know, sure. people always ask you in the interview, well, what are you going to be in five years and things like that. And, and many times people don't have answers to that question when I ask them that. Oh, boy, I, not only did I know in five years, I mean, I, I had the whole career plan. Now, <laughs> I don't know that anybody needs to be that goal-oriented, but look, I always feel like if you don't have, if you don't set a direction, you're going to end up somewhere, so you might as well be shooting at something specific. Uh, if you don't get there, okay, maybe you don't get there for whatever reason, but but at least, you know, set the course. Well, it's interesting. You've you bring, set the course, right? Given, given last night's events, and I'm not talking about the Cubs, go Cubs, uh, <laughs> but I'm talking about the debates, and I was thinking, you, you, you caused me to think about how planful and, and intentional Clint, Bill Clinton's pursuit of the presidency was because he was taking notes as a Rhodes Scholar and people were saying, why are you writing my name? I said, because someday I'm going to be president and I may need to be able to talk to yes, you. I mean, I think if you, anywhere, I yeah. believe, if if you put enough effort into, if you have a basic, I think people just need sort of a basic intellectual capability. I mean, you can't be some, you know, par, right. but you know, I don't think you have to be an Einstein, you don't have to be brilliant, but you have to have, you know, like maybe an above average. Mm-hmm. And then it's about focus and motivation and hard work. I really believe that. You know, it's interesting what you, because what you're describing is now, again, very popular because we, we, we change the names of things and they're the mm-hmm. things we've always done. And so this whole neuroplasticity and positive, positive imaging and all the things that we've get, we've given it a new name, right? But it's really what you're describing. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, you know, I was reading something the other day, you know, about attitude versus aptitude. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, take a basic aptitude and then the rest of it's about attitude. And I really believe that. As a head of HR, I've I've seen many more people fail over the attitude dimension than the aptitude. It's like uh, uh, Gladwell's 10,000 hours, right? It's the person who puts 10,000 hours into it is going to beat the person with talent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's absolutely. that's fascinating. So then you, but you you ended up before you moved all the way directly into what we call sort of the I don't know if it's traditional, but the the mainstream corporate American environment. You were at government uh, government services. Oh, so when I was going to um, when I was working on my degrees, so sure. I, uh, I I was working on my uh, master's degree. I worked uh, I worked for um, 
the General Accounting Office at the time. Mm-hmm. It was called the GAO. It had a different. Now I think it's called the General Accountability Office. Is that different uh, than the Government Services Administration? I get them all. GSA. Mixed up. GSA. Yeah. GSA. Okay. But, yeah. Um, you know the. GAO was General Accounting Office. Got it. Now it's Government Accountability Office. So they kept the acronym, changed the name. Uh, so I worked there uh, while I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I also worked for the Army Research Institute while I was going to school. Doing top secret mind control work? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We, I told you I wasn't we going to be serious yeah, for we all the whole we time. Weren't quite, we weren't quite in that level. There was, I'm sure there was work like that going on, but I wasn't working on it. And we were doing some different, um, you know, actually it was a lot of data analysis on uh, data, performance data of um, different kinds of training techniques for people in the military, you know, different guns and how effective the training was to shoot the guns and and things like that. So, and then, and then I got the reams of the data and I was analyzing the data. And so that was, you know, the Army Research Institute, not really where I saw myself ever landing, but it was, you know, the pay wasn't great, but it was pay. Like when you're a graduate student, Absolutely, you know, yeah. you anything to... with a dollar sign in front of it looks pretty darn good. Whatever you can use to buy ramen, right? I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's interesting again because you think about what one of the one of the current very popular trends is HR analytics. You know, and the and I've been I was I don't know if you went I was over at the uh, Chicago's HR Tech conference at McCormick a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. to look around. And I think Workday will end up buying everybody, but that's, who knows what's <laughs> going to happen. But the, the whole the whole um, concept of HR analytics and how critical it is, and, and it's it's not, it's not it, we now have the ability to collect the data. Yeah. And I know I'm jumping way ahead, yeah. but yeah. but it's the ability to use it yeah. and then use it right away effectively. You can, you can analyze it. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there in the different systems, you know. One, do that testing or two, use it in a valid manner when they get it. Yeah. And each one comes in with some different analytics. I, I saw something recently where they showed, um, well, you can, this this functionality, you can put people in boxes and change your organization around, and uh, and then you can predict how effective that organization is. I'm thinking, well, that's only as good as whatever you put in there. Right. Uh, you know, but, but I'm sure at some point we really will be able to predict how effective an organization is based on the structure you set up and having the right parameters put in. Well, if I go back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, it's that attitude aptitude component. I mean, you look at the the attitude component and the psychometrics, the evaluation of that as a as as, as part of an employee. Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the critical places to spend time, right? Yeah. And I don't know how many organizations actually. It tends to be more around the um, aptitude aspects. Sure. Variants on IQ testing and and other competencies. Uh, it's hard to get at the, the attitudinal. Yeah. Um, you can get at it um, in, in different ways. I mean, a lot of it for me, it's the pessimist versus the optimist. There's sure. different different dimensions that, that there are psychometric tests for. Mm-hmm. I personally like to work with optimists, not crazy optimists that, you know. Sure. Rational optimists. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rational optimism is good. I think most people do. I can fly it doesn't mean you jump off the cliff and exactly. you're going to work figure out how to build a plane fly, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> for a minute, <laughs> for, for a second. So you, so you, so that was just sort of to, to, to pay the bills while you're going to grad school, but then you ended up at, at, at GE. Was that the first, that was the that first, was the first job yeah. when I got my, um, as I was nearing the end of my, um, PhD dissertation, getting that all wrapped up, I, I decided, um, I need to figure out how to get a job now, you know, with right. this, with this PhD behind me. 
what was I going to, you know, do, or how was I going to get into the corporate world, which was, I had no idea how to, how to undertake that journey. I had no idea. No one, because the school wasn't equipped to help you in that. Sure. You were the only one, you said you were the only one in the class that said you wanted to do it. Yeah. I was really the oddity. Uh, So I, um, so I thought, well, okay, I'll look in the newspaper. So, you know, this is like many years ago. They had newspapers back then. I remember that. I remember that. wanted sections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so then I had to be aware in the help wanted section I should even look. So I'm looking at personnel. I'm looking for management development um, and uh, human resources. So I'm looking. Back then there was more personnel. Not as much of a human resources was not a popular term, yeah. Back back in the day. That was still still evolving. Um, And I just started sending out resumes just sending out resumes to, yeah. to companies that had anything that looked like, you know, something that I could do. I actually got a call one day from this uh, person who said they were calling from um, Geico. Ah. Actually, they said Geisco. And I thought they said Geico. Okay. Uh, so I thought they were talking about the insurance company. Right. And I said, well, you know, this is great, but I don't remember applying to Geico. And they said, no, no, um, Geisco, GE Information Services. I said, oh, General Electric. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember applying there either, but what is the job? And they, well, apparently they had, I had applied somewhere, military data systems in, in Northern Virginia, and they had sent my resume up to the company in uh, Rockville, Maryland. And sure. I can tell you, never have I ever seen GE share resumes since that time in all my 17 years there, but it happened for me that huh. my resume got sent to someone. You're iconic in so many ways. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's the job I got through the, an advertisement in the newspaper. Um, my first to somebody else, but then they, somebody else somebody got your resume. For, yeah. For some other GE business. Um, and then it turned out that, you know, I ended up with GE and it was, it was a job in management development, okay. which uh, was the, the first First of all, yeah. and it was when I was doing the employee survey. I was doing some training. It was sort of a mishmash of things. Um, today, you you put it in the talent management function. Sure. That's where it would sure. would set. Uh, back in in the GE day, it was it was in the function called ONS, organization mm-hmm. and staffing was the yeah. Yeah, was the function that it fit in back in the day. Yeah. Uh, which was you know a great you know it was a great entry point into the company. And, uh, you know, I did that for, I didn't do that for very long until they came to me and said, you know, there's, um, there's an opportunity uh, to do a, a journalist job. Well, I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> I mean, you know, I learned nothing about that. You're in the military. Yeah, general. I, I, don't yeah. Know what, I had no idea what that meant. But I, you know, I said, oh, okay, so, you know, what do I do? And, um, and so they took me over and I interviewed with um, the HR leader for the area who, who had the position open up on her team. And, um, and she didn't really tell me too much. She was sort of finding out about me. And she said, well, uh, the person that's leaving the role, she was actually in a rotation, a GE rotation program, the mm-hmm. HR uh, development program. And she was moving out and they were going to put more a permanent person in, in versus um, someone in an HR in the HR development program. So I went to, to Deb, who was in the role, and um, I said, um, so, you know, what, what do I do? <laughs> and she said, which I think is wonderful, I still think about this this day, she said, well, you know, the phone's gonna ring, and you can pick it up, and someone's gonna tell you about a problem, and you just run with it. 
Sure. I said, is that not the perfect description of what happens in HR? Exactly, yeah. Somebody calls you, there's a problem, and you just run with it. So yeah. um, so I said, well, I, yeah, I guess I can do that. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the practical conscience of the company in some ways yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. So, so I took that role, and I had a great uh, um, HR person that I worked for at that time um, because she would never give me the answers. She made me tell her what I would do. So some problem would surface. I'd go in and say, hey, Meredith, you know, such and such a thing is happening. And she said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, I would do X. Then you go and do that. So it forced me to think. Right. And it forced me to. That's such a great way to to lead people. And I remember years ago, uh, because I've been around in the business about the same time as you. And I remember sitting down with the director of HR was reported to one of my friends who was a VP. And I said, how do you like working for Alex? And he said, he'll let me make any new mistake I want. <laughs> and I thought that was another way well, to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, she never gave me the answer. Yeah. She yeah. forced me to, you know, come up with my point of view. And then it, it created confidence because the more I had what, you know, she thought was the right way to go or she let me go and do it, the more I would have confidence to just go ahead and do it. I think the other common denominator in that, in a develop, when you're developing talent, and you tell me if this uh, lines up with your experiences, uh, she's probably also providing air cover for you by letting everybody, making everybody that people leave you alone and let you make those mistakes as opposed to trying to correct you independently. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, another way to look at it. I think, I think that's another component. Yeah. So, so you did that. And so then, I did that, then um, I did that for not that, that long, probably you know less than a year. And then they came to me and said, well, you know, you're doing a really nice job um, in this, but um, we don't have anybody in the company to lead staffing. And um, so we think you could probably do that. And, you know, once again, it's like, oh, my, what's that? What do I do? Yeah. I just <laughs> so, figured out what I'm doing. You're going to give me something else to figure out. Yeah. But, you know, I, um, I like the old commercial, you know, never let them see you sweat. So I say to people, you know, never tell anybody it's the first time. Never tell anybody you've never done it before. Just go and do it. So that's yeah. what that's. So I said, OK, I'll do that. So I went down. There were some recruiters and I pull the recruiters together and said, you know, hey, we got to hire more people. We're not doing a very good job. This is why I've been asked to come and do this. So together, let's figure out how to how to hire some people here. So, mm-hmm. you know, they had a month later, we had hired 30 people. So wow. um, everybody's all excited. You know, we were hiring. Um, things were going really well. Um, so I had that. So I was in that role for about six months when they came to me and said, hey, the, um, the person is moving on. Um, who was responsible for the essentially the um, organization function, mm-hmm. which was very much more aligned with my original you, yeah, what you originally so, planned on, yeah. So, um, so now it's like, no, I, I can do that job. I think I can do that job. <laughs> that one I actually was interested in when I started. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's that's really a good fit. Sure. Um, <laughs> so I kept the I kept the uh, recruiting piece aspect of the the organization piece, which which was a wonderful time to have been in that role. It was it was when G was starting the whole workout program. Oh, sure. um, you know, all the consultants had come together and they built the rope workout program. So we launched that in the company, had a chance to go and even uh, hold a, a workout session um, with Apple at the time. Oh no uh, kidding. Yeah, yeah, way, way back when um, Did you meet Jobs? You had no, just no. It, it wasn't didn't go that far, right? It wasn't quite that uh, wasn't wasn't quite that high up the uh, totem pole. Not sure um, that would be a good experience anyway. Yeah, back then. we had what we thought it was a customer workout, so we went to that and so it was a it was a good time to be in that role. That's awesome. I really 
Will Lewis plugged in um, mm-hmm. and and doing you know some some interesting things and and making a difference. And um, I, I did forget to say back uh, you know back when I first joined GE, probably a few few months, maybe not even that long into joining GE, the head of HR for the company had called me up to his office and said, Hey, you know, I wanted to, wanted to, um, you know, just have a chance to get to know you. And, and then in the conversation, he says, you know, so what do you want to, you know, where do you want to, where do you want to be in five years? Of course I say, well, I want your job. <laughs> probably not the best thing to say, but you know, I did, I did, you know, five years probably wasn't the right time, but you know, I did. And, and so I was open about that. Um, and he laughed. <laughs> now who was that? that his name was Jack Mulford. Okay. Uh, he was he was really you know he was a great um, you know a great believer in me, which I, I so much appreciated that because after the uh, after the role uh, the organization role, um, I had kind of done sort of the key roles sure. in in, um, in that business in the information services business, and it was time to. You know, in GEOs every couple of years, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And um, so they came to me and said, well, what, what do you want to do next? Because I, I think I would proven. And I said, um, I'd like to have the, the role head of HR for um, Europe and uh, based in Milan. And I wasn't even, everybody wanted that job. And so here I was like, I want that job in, you know, in Milan. I just, I just threw it out there. I mean, sure. Actually, yeah. the person who, who was in the job had been in the job for six years or something, and I thought probably was going to be there forever. So it was more of a, hey, what job would you? Well, it would be that job. And about two months later, I get a call, and the, uh, you know, you know, uh, Jack said, well, Gene, you know, that sounds like a good possibility for you. You know, um, we could, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe that is a, a good next job for you. We'll see, but it's good, to, good to know what you want. It was just a couple months later when he called me, and um, and in even in the interim and, and in the interim, you know, in that intervening time, um, I did have an opportunity to go and um, an interview for a job that was with it was a power systems business uh, that was going to be in Singapore within GE in GE okay. yeah so um, because I had I sort of declared myself available for international sure um, I kind of got you know considered for something and and I did go interview for for that position uh, so it kind of became maybe the job in power systems in Singapore and then all of a sudden or maybe you know the job with my current business in Milan mm-hmm. um, and so um, I think for the most part they 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 ultimately wanted somebody else for the, the Singapore job, which which is probably the best because I think if you're going to go on an international assignment, it's great to have the network. I had the network already within my business, sure. so it was a better decision. Although you know my memory of it is I didn't get selected for the other one, so it you know it worked out to my advantage to be mm-hmm. um, with a business that I that I already knew everyone in. Um, so I did get you know I got that opportunity. I was I was thrilled. It was um, it was life changing have an international assignment. Um, up until that time, I, I, the, the role in GE was very global. I had to, you know, I had responsibilities for things outside the U S but, uh, to live outside the U S sure. and to, um, you know, survive in a role that is so different from anything you've ever done before. Cause here I go back to being a generalist sure. of which I had done for about nine months <laughs> in my life right, yeah. uh, to having responsibility for the international team. That was going to be a big deal.
You're listening to a conversation with Jean Mason, the CVPHR of Baxter International. She sat down with our EVP Rick Cobb a couple weeks ago and had a pretty great discussion. We'll present more of their discussion in future episodes. If you want to learn more about Challenger, you can find us online at Challenger Gray on Twitter and Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, Challenger Gray and Christmas Inc. And you can check out our blog. We look forward to connecting with you.